Hello, everybody. My name is Daniel Prince, and I am the host of the Once Bitten podcast. This is a podcast focused on Bitcoin. It's my mission to interview as many people as I can around the different aspects of Bitcoin and help people understand exactly what Bitcoin could mean for them and for their families and for their future. I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you so much for listening. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this edition of the Once Bitten podcast. And joining me today is a pleb coming at you from out of the US, name of Wizard Oz, O-Z, who comes on the show to share his journey into the world of Bitcoin. And it's a pretty unique one. Uh, Most of us don't go straight into the mining side of things, but this young man did. And he's here to tell us his story, how it happened and why. So sit back, relax and enjoy. Thank you, as always, everybody for listening to the show. Thank you for tuning in and rating, reviewing, subscribing, replying to the tweets, whatever it is that you do, you're supporting the show in some fashion. And I really, truly appreciate that. If you want to show some appreciation, go hit up the show sponsors. Go find coinfloor.co.uk forward slash bitten. Or go find relay, R-E-L-A-I dot C-H forward slash bitten. Or if you're in the US, swanbitcoin.com forward slash bitten. Or just tweet to any of these guys. Just let them know that you're listening and you appreciate everything that they are doing. Even if you are not in the country and cannot use their services, these are Bitcoin-only companies building amazing things. But please, guys, stack safe. Okay, get your keys onto a Bitcoin-only wallet. Bitbox 02, Bitcoin-only edition. You can find it at shiftcrypto.ch forward slash bitten. Make sure you're taking charge. Make sure you are getting those keys off of the exchanges or any apps that you're using and taking self-custody. That is very important. Really hope you enjoy this rip with Wizard Oz. Thanks for listening. Take care. Catch you after the show. Okay, welcoming to the show another pleb, a Bitcoin pleb, Wizard Oz. And to be clear, this is not Wizard of Oz. There is a, a few uh, uh, pseudonymous accounts out there. This is Wizard Oz, OZ. Nice to meet you, man. Hey, nice to meet you. Thank you for letting me on. Oh, thanks for thanks for hanging out. Thanks for you know putting your hand up to come on and and share your story. So Lauren is here to ask the first question. Uh, yeah. So why did you call yourself Wizard Oz instead of like, yeah? So it's a funny story. Uh, I didn't know what exactly to call myself. So Oz just fits my initials. So I just made it Wizard Oz. Wizard Oz. It just fit. It was easy. There's is no real meaning behind it or anything, but just Wizard of Oz and Oz fit my name. So I made it Wizard Oz. How long did it take you to think of this? Uh, it was a couple years ago. I had to make a Xbox name and I just made it a Wizard Oz. Yeah, because I would have spent like hours and hours trying to figure out what, what my name was if I had to choose one. Yeah, it's hard to come up with names. But I, I didn't really do much homework. I just went with whatever's easy. <laughs> Sometimes the easiest thing is the best thing. Mm. Now I'm Wizard Oz and I'm on, on the podcast, right? So something worked mm. out. 
<laughs> yeah. See, keep it simple. Yeah. Keep it simple. Yeah. Or, as my favorite saying for you kids is, less is more. Yeah, you say that very rarely. All you do is you do say that very rarely. Like you chatter about the government and everything and the Bitcoin, and you rarely say. Yeah, I tell you what, more. if there was less government, it would be more. Let's, <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's all agree on that. Less is more would be a great uh, kind of um, thing to, to apply that to. Once you're older, you'll realize it. Exactly. Well, that's going to be in like a few years like 10 it's like, years it's like makeup and stuff like that as well yeah. less is more if you just put on too much makeup you just look ridiculous you, you don't look beautiful and pretty daddy daddy people do crazy looks this is makeup artist on tiktok mm-hmm. and she does crazy looks she did like a snake across her face daddy. yeah that, that's just messing around that that's like but you know uh it's she does too much makeup but she turns out like a wizard like you. <laughs> <laughs> right. Do you have any uh, any other questions for for Wizard Oz? Anything uh, relating at all to uh, the, the the theme of this podcast? Yeah. Mm. Um. So, when did you discover Bitcoin? I discovered it uh, late January, twenty twenty, and uh, the way I found out about it was a buddy of mine he told me about a machine that he bought with this company and the machine was mining bitcoin and he was making four thousand dollars and would pay a monthly of a thousand dollars yeah he told me about this random machine in cyberspace that's helping him make some money making more money than his actual job so i ended up buying it and then once I bought it, I actually started doing more and more research and then went through the rabbit hole, like everyone says, and realized what Bitcoin actually is. Yeah, to be honest, I have no idea what rabbit hole means. Like, does it mean like deep conversation or like you're going into my deep? Huh? It's a deep understanding of something that you, you uh. went through every aspect of it. Like, for example, for you, like algebra or geometry. You went through the rabbit hole. You understand every single formula. You can get a hundred on the test. You know. Yeah. So that so that's how I got into Bitcoin. I'm a very early person into it. 2020. I thought I was late, but now I'm realizing it was very. Early. <laughs> yeah, we're still so early. So early. Yeah. Hashtag few. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, do you want to say good night then? Uh, yeah, thank you. Good night. Good night. Thank you. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, Wizard Oz. <laughs> <laughs> so when, when your friend was, showed you that, you said you, then you bought some Bitcoin or did you buy some machines? Just, just to be clear. So he, he told me about it and then I bought the machine, not really knowing what the heck Bitcoin is. And I just did it for the return. And this friend, he was, he's been my best friend since high school. We know each other for a long time. So, and he's a, like a genius. He's like the biggest dummy genius, if that makes sense. Like on the AP, you guys have AP exams? I, I don't know. What does AP stand for? I don't even know either. <laughs> it's like the highest uh, high school exam you can take. And if you get a certain score on it, you skip that class in college. 
Right, okay. So this guy would get a, the perfect score on that. So he told me about this random machine thing that the website was so weird and I just fully trusted him on it. And uh, I was going to get a rig and I randomly told my brother about it. And uh, he said, uh, let's go half on the highest rig. And the highest rig was making like five, six K and it cost a total of $50,000. So, so we just took the huge risk and said, okay, let's try it. Uh, my buddy was making good money. So why not us? And uh, we just started mining and then the rest <laughs> is history. We had no idea about it. I was so scared that it was a Ponzi scheme. Cause I saw online that there was so many, these hosted uh, mining machines and they'll kick you out. They'll steal your money, this, that. I was so paranoid. I found all the the owners of the company. I figured out where they live, <laughs> where they stay, where they hang out at, just because I was paranoid. How right? Okay. Now, are you guys long out of high school or like? Uh... Oh, I'm long out of high school. I'm 28. Right. Okay. So you're you're 28. You you the old buddy comes to you and says, "I'm mining Bitcoin with this." I mean, what? What kind of machine is he, he is he using? It was a S, well, they're S19s now. I think he had an S17. So he just, with the company, he bought the actual S17 machine and they'll host it at their hosting facilities. And they charge no maintenance fee for the first year. But they, they finance the actual machine. So it was, I think we had uh, eight S17s and ended up being 50000 about to buy the actual machines. Okay. So so first of all, the, the, the first, because I people coming in at this late stage of the game don't generally go straight into mining. I've got to say, this is definitely something pretty weird. And I Very thought <laughs> I thought I thought the whole mining for oneself gig was pretty much uh, uh, you know a, a run race i thought that was done and mining was pretty much now just left to the the big pools and the, the you know the big companies that can afford the machines and afford to run them and afford to keep them going and afford the electricity as you know, did you actually okay let, let's let's so i just completely or anyone that's listening and might be thinking holy shit i want to have a go at mining what what was your path into it what was your what was the first thing that you did to try and uh, get yourself going with mining well the thing with mining was as so it was a company the company's out of my city and it's uh, it's actually growing big they're actually trying to go public and stuff. so the company sells the rigs and then hosts them at their facilities at a very cheap rate for example, if I ran the same rig at my house, I would have to pay them $4,000 US. But when I'm hosting it at their facilities, I'm making like $8,000 in Bitcoin terms from that. So you have to buy the machine and they host it. You can even buy it from eBay or anything and you have to send it to them and they host it in their facility. They have two, uh, a facility in Canada and a facility in Montana. So they'll hook up the machines and run everything. It's your rig, you own it. They even make you sign a DocuSign and uh, they just put the money in your wallet every single day. Every single day of mining, the money comes. Are you able to shill the company or is that not something you, you want to share? 
No, that's fine. It's a V bit. It's called. How do you spell that? V, B, as in boy, I T, tech. V bit tech. V bit tech. Let me make sure that. So it's V B I T M I N I N G dot com. V bit mining dot com. For your listeners, if they want to get involved, yeah, Uh, there could be some people out there definitely interested in this. So, first of all, where where did you find the machine? Then, where did you find that for sale? So they they sell the machines also. Mm -hmm. They sell the machines and they host it for you. So they sell the machines. The machines cost a lot these days. So you can finance the machine and slowly pay that pay it off, and you pay them. And they'll host the machine, they'll do all the maintenance, take care of any trouble, any problems, and you pay them a maintenance fee every year. So when I got in, I got in real early and the maintenance fee was a free for a year. And I mined two Bitcoin from that, so that's a lot. And uh, now it's getting harder with the difficulty adjustment and everything, but it's still worth it. Like I told uh, family members and stuff, and I try to tell them, uh, if you think of it as real estate, which is better, buying a property for $150,000 and maybe making $1,200 rent or buying this machine for $50,000 and you're making like eight to $10,000 guaranteed every month? It's a lot better, right? Yeah. Now I sound like I'm pushing the company, though. I'm not affiliated (laughs) with the company. I don't work for them. I just got involved in mining with them. So the the S19s are the latest machines, as I'm aware. How much are they going for? Or how much do this, this uh, V-Bit mining company uh, sell them? And, and how much of it do they finance? Do, do you have to put down a, a, certain, a certain percentage? Yeah, so now you have to put down 50%. Mm. So the machine, just one S19, let's see how much it costs. Last time I saw it was about $8,000. So let's see on Amazon. See by... Oh, wow. So, so as you know, there's a, you can't find any miners these days. Mining is very scarce. The mm-hmm. machine, one machine, a S19, which I have eight of, is selling on Amazon for $18,000 in their own back order. Oh my goodness. And even the company, even if you sign up with them, you have to wait two, three months for your machine to actually start running. And they do not have any of the machines uh, ready to go. If, if somebody just called them up and said, right, I want to plug in a machine, they don't have any for sale or to, to finance straight away? They're so on back order. They can't find mining machines themselves, and so many people are actually mining with them. Wow, you beat the rush, huh? Yeah, I got the rush. I was laughing. You never know who's mining these days. I was getting a haircut, and I was talking about mining, and the guy was like, yeah, my mom's mining. I don't understand how. I said, what? He's like, yeah, she barely knows anything about Bitcoin, but she's in mining. I said, what company is she with? He said, VBIT. <laughs> Yeah, and he said, yeah, he, she bought me a rig, too. <laughs> so I don't know how they're marketing this thing, but even older people are getting in on it. I guess they like the money. So do you now, are you at the point now where those machines are yours, like that you own them? So I, I did a 
two year finance. So I'm mm-hmm. in year. I'm in. I finished one year, so I still have a year to go. About a couple months. So once that becomes, uh, you know, once that's played its course, those machines will become yours, and you'll have the asset of that machine to possibly sell as well if you want. Yes, exactly. So, so even in the DocuSign, when I signed it, it states in that also that the machine is yours. You can tell us any time that you want it, but you need to give us a week or two for us to send it to you. So the machine will be mine by the time I finish paying off. And as you see, the machine, like I said, on Amazon is going for almost $20,000. <laughs> yeah. And in a year's time, I imagine as this bull cycle carries on charging those machines well it depends it all depends doesn't it on like uh, i guess they're going to call it the s20 whenever that gets released and the the knock-on effect to the to the s19 market yeah it, it depends on a lot of factors and also they they've told me uh the machine only lasts for about five years four to five years so if you do one of mine you have to put that into perspective also that the machine could die or break and it's going to be a headache. On It's a big risk at the end of the day. Personally, I would tell everyone to just buy the Bitcoin, but it depends. This is just how I got in and I got started. It's a unique story. <laughs> yeah, it truly is. And, and do you stack sats just along the way as well? Are you doing both at the same time or are you just completely focused on the, the mining? No, I do both. I, I keep stacking. I, I wasn't stacking until March. I remember the March moment. We got to 10,000. I was thinking, yeah, we're going to go straight to 20. We're going to break all-time high because I had no knowledge of Bitcoin. I didn't know about the four-year cycle, having things like that. So when the March drop happened, I was a little scared. And then my brother actually told me, he said, why don't we just start buying it? We know it's going to go up again. So that's when I finally started buying it. And now I always DCA all the time whenever I got someone to spend. That's the, mate, you're you're stacking like a champ. You're mining and stacking within two months of falling down the rabbit hole. Yes, that's why on Twitter, if you see some people, they call me 2020 pleb of the year. I got through it fast. (laughs) That, that's got to be the quickest descent I think I've ever heard. That is crazy. I have even a better story for you before Go. even the mining. I was in medical school for two years and I dropped out. I dropped out because I wasn't passionate about it and I, I just didn't want to do it. And you, you have to take on so much debt and loans to finish it. So I actually dropped out and then started a, uh, working and going back to school to get a business degree and uh my my whole life's journey i feel like it was to get to find bitcoin so uh when i was working the job i started getting involved in stocks and things and uh my uh boss would tell me i uh i buy stocks like a boomer because i was trying to buy like bank of america cvs like things like that and he told me you need to invest in something that no one really knows about and it's going to become hot in the future so i borrowed money from my brother i had no money poor college student in debt i borrowed some money from my brother started investing it this that 
Uh, I even bought Tesla at $200, sold at $250, so happy, and it went all the way to $1,000. And uh, that's my whole life, I feel like I was going after Bitcoin. And once this friend told me about this mining, things like that, I don't know why, I just bought it. Like It sounded like such a Ponzi scheme, but I bought it, started going on Twitter, YouTube, uh, seeing Robert Breedlove, Pomp saying all this stuff and then just started understanding it and just went all in. And even my family members, my dad, I remember even told me, he said, what the hell are you doing? Like, why are you spending your money on this thing? And I'm telling him, no, you better start buying it. You're going to miss out. You're going to miss that. So I, be, I dropped out of medical school and became a Bitcoin pleb on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a great decision <laughs> yeah a hundred percent a hundred percent but i i want to rewind a little bit you know how on earth did you find yourself in medical school in the in the first place so i uh, the thing with immigrant parents is they like to push their kids into certain fields so my parents always pushed medicine engineering or lawyer and for some reason i just picked medicine because I thought like oh maybe I'm smart is something I have to do and my brother is actually a doctor so I wanted to maybe follow in his footsteps so I remember even my first year in college I said this isn't for me and my parents were uh, against it and uh, my dad has some land back home and the first thing he said was oh I had a dream for you to make a free clinic now I have to sell my land because you ruined my plan so then I said okay I'll stay in undergrad I'll do the doctor stuff then just years and years of spending, even though I got good grades, I did well, I just couldn't take it anymore. I was just feeling depressed, knowing that I don't care about this field. I'm just doing it to do it. Like, who am I trying to prove anything? My happiness should be the most important, not my parents' happiness or my brother's happiness, you know? So tough it was a journey man. of finding yourself. You know, it was a very tough decision and everyone thought it was bad, but. Like I always joke, I always joke with my brother. He became a doctor, and I'm 10x his salary just by being a pleb, you know. So I, it's a it's a blessed feeling, but I think it was like a destiny, you know. Bitcoin helped me find myself. So where were you folks from? Where where, where did they come across to America from? Pakistan. Yeah, from Pakistan, my father came and the. Uh, early 80s early 80s became a successful businessman and did his thing and i get i guess his dream was always for his kids to be educated because he he was from a village you know he didn't really have the capabilities or opportunities like we do here in the, in the states and what was the business he fell into then once once he got to the states he did a lot of different things. Uh, he worked at like a farm as a pharmacist tech, this, that, and hustle and grinded and then uh, ended up owning a gas station. Now he has multiple businesses. And he, he's doing pretty well. And I, and I got him on a Bitcoin standard. So I got his corporate money into Bitcoin. You're kidding. Oh, my God. So hang on back up. Not only did you just fall down the rabbit hole in January 2020, you go straight into mining and stacking on the side and pilling your 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 parents. You've also taken their business onto a Bitcoin standard. 
Yeah, my, my dad has a business partner and I uh, went to my business, the, his business partner's house and I literally sat there explaining to them, showing them videos and trying to explain to them, you guys should put your money in this. I, I'm making money. My brother's making money. You guys should. So they ended up going for it. Man. The, the rest is history. And the thing about them is they're always pissed off. So, like, if if the price goes down $5,000, they are calling us, oh, my God, this thing is over. You guys ruined us. You guys this, you guys that. But we try to tell them, look at the returns you made. You don't even make that in your business, you know? Like, what, Bitcoin's up 700% in the last couple of months? Come on, you're not. Who? What business is making more than that? Tell me, nobody. It's tough when, when you have to face that, uh, you know, when the, the people that you get in, when, when you see these little dips, I've had it before and the, the phone starts going in it. Oh, what, what am I going to do? You know, this is this, I, I don't feel safe holding this anymore. I should get out. And uh, it, it's so difficult to, to help people kind of understand this. Why I love the DCA, right? It's why I love like, just take it slowly get used to it, get some skin in the game, start learning about it. And I'm part of a, a weekly Zoom call. Uh, if you guys actually, for the listeners, go check out mindstudio.com uh, forward slash Bitcoin, where we have a weekly Zoom call. And we're just helping newbies who are just brand new to Bitcoin, helping them stack and helping them understand what, uh, you know, the different nuances around around the world of uh, of Bitcoin and what can happen to it and what might happen to it and why the price doesn't necessarily matter, but it is designed to pump forever. You know, that there is so much to learn. I'm guessing you got a lot of your education since January by you know interacting with the mining side. You probably understand mining very deeply, interacting with the plebs on Bitcoin Twitter and all of the content that you, you can get your hands on? What, um, where, where would you point people to that, that might be listening to this that are thinking, whoa, this guy has just absolutely zoomed through the rabbit hole? You know, it's tough to tell somebody about someone who's so deep in the rabbit hole because, uh, like, for example, Michael Saylor, I told my oldest brother, I'm trying to get him on a Bitcoin standard in his uh, medical clinic but he's not going for it. I told him, listen to Michael Saylor, whatever he said. And he told me the things Michael Saylor is saying on Bitcoin and economics is like a PhD level and he doesn't understand it. I think a lot of people don't understand what a lot of people say, like a Robert Breedlove. If every time he talks is poetry, right? It's hard to understand it if you're not in the rabbit hole, someone like John Vallis, this, that. I would point someone to Pomp, uh, Anthony Papaliano. That's who I started on. And I learned a lot from him because he doesn't only talk about Bitcoin. He talks about economics, politics, stocks, uh, economy, stimulus deals, things like that. So I, I, I would say he's the easiest to maybe start on because that's who I started on. Who did you start? When did you get into Bitcoin, by the way? Uh, I started uh, on a much more of a macro kind of level like yourself by watching Real Vision interviews back in 2014 15 that's when i really started my kind of educational journey and and trying to find content back then was way different to, to what it is now you really had to go digging 
and like the FUD was way stronger than than the real information. You know, every time you did a Bitcoin search, you would just be pummeled with the FUD. Now, if you were to do a Bitcoin search, my goodness, the medium articles, the books, the podcasts, the YouTubes, it's it's incredible. And and you know what a and the companies, the amount of companies now that you know, Unchained Capital, perfect example. Look at their blogs. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, oh my gosh. It's so much information. And, uh, you know, guys like you, you guys are the true OGs. You guys did all that research when the times were tough, all the FUD, all this misinformation. That's why it's easy for people like me to get through the rabbit hole now, because you guys did all the heavy lifting back in the years. And honestly, I think if I was you, I probably would have never bought Bitcoin. The, the first time I heard of Bitcoin, my brother told me about it, the doctor brother. And he told me uh, it was about 2017, Bitcoin was $4,000 about, and Ethereum was 600. And he was telling me, oh, you should buy it. People are making money, this, that. And in my head, I was like, yeah, I remember CNBC said it's fake. People use it to launder money. They buy illegal, illegal drugs with it. So uh, I ended up not buying it. I didn't even try to go research to see what it was because I just listened to what everyone else is saying because of the FUD, because of the news. Yeah. And we always, we always think people are smarter than us, right? Uh, You're probably now, now you know what you know about Bitcoin and you've, uh, yeah. I mean, how has that changed you? What, what, what's changed within you personally, your personality, how how has Bitcoin affected you i think it changed me as a person entirely my politics have changed before i was on one side of politics and then uh all this looting and stuff happened in my city too and my father's store was even looted and i was just seeing how the government here the local government was allowing people to go so crazy and this and that. And I was looking at that. And then I realized like, we don't need to do this anymore. We can pick up shop and move anywhere across the world on a Bitcoin stand. No, we're a sovereign individual now, you know, we can move anywhere, wherever we're treated the best. So the last couple of years, I even wanted to move. I'm trying to convince my entire family, let's move to, Florida, because the politics there isn't that crazy. They're giving you much more freedoms than my area. And everything changed about me. Even my friends changed about me. Like things I say to my brother, his wife, they even said, like, oh, uh, your mind's so crazy with Twitter. Your beliefs are so different. But Bitcoin makes you, it gets you out of the, uh, the matrix, honestly. You start realizing that things in the world is so different than what we're told. Like the whole system is so corrupt. And when I became a Bitcoin, I understood it. I I felt like I took a step out of the matrix and now I'm looking to see what I can do for my future self, for my family's future self. And now I feel like I'm less of a selfish person maybe because now I see how tough the world's getting. And I always... Have you seen the movie, The Big Short? Yes. I always think of The Big Short, that everything's just going to collapse and we're just going to be there with all this money, the seeing the world crumble. So 
you got to help people. You got to do something. That's the beauty of Bitcoin. It gives you freedom. You can move anywhere in the world. You can be who you want to be. You can live wherever you want to live. It's a beautiful thing. It changed me a lot. And it, with your knowledge now of, of these systems and, and how it's affected you and how, how do you look back on like the last couple of years of med school, for example, like when, when you're in that trench, you, you can't see, you know, the forest through the trees, you, you are right there. It's everything is just so encompassing and, you know, on top of you, it must be hell. What, what do you think now when you look back that, perhaps some of the things that they were teaching you or some of the methods that they were using, what, what do you think is wrong with that? And, and how could it be changed? Well, the things that are wrong with it, I feel like they teach you things that you don't really need to use in the real, real life. Maybe that's how it is in America, but not in other places that like, for example, nutrition is such an important thing for humans. You don't learn any nutrition in American, uh, medical school not one little bit all you're taught is medicine and give this give that uh, surgeries things like that you don't try to do anything in a holistic way and even when I was in medical school I was realizing it because I started studying history of I went down the medical rabbit hole I learned about uh, the Rockefeller family and how they manipulated medicine how they helped create big pharma and I just started realizing that a lot of doctors do wrong things to make money off their patients. And I remember a story my professor said, and it clicked with me, but everyone else was laughing. He said, uh, there was uh, one guy, he was a father and his son started working at his family clinic. He said he used to prescribe this one cream to his patient and uh, the patient would always come use the cream and then the son graduated college, medical school, and then started working for him. The son ended up prescribing him something else that helped the rashes go away forever and the dad got mad at him, the doctor. He said, you know that little cream I always made them buy? He said, yeah. He said, I paid your entire tuition off of that little cream and now you just like finished a customer for it. And everyone in the classroom is laughing like, oh, yeah, that's funny. And I'm sitting there like he's openly cared the person and they're mad about it because they won't make money off. Them. And that's the reality, I feel like, for a lot of things is just based on money. And I didn't want to be that guy chasing money and putting humans in the wrong places, you know, doing the wrong things to them. So I guess uh -huh. maybe I was always looking for a rabbit hole to go under, or like find something better that's shocking, right? That is unbelievable. But the, you, you're right that that exposes our incentive structure and that exposes what fiat money does to people. Yeah, the fiat mentality, the fiat educate, everything is fiat. <laughs> it's all about just making money. That's why I like Bitcoin so much. It's all about helping each other. Like Twitter is such a good place. You need any help you ask any question, people are ready to help you, help you thrive, giving you uh, insights to how they were when they were early in the rabbit hole. And the, the fiat mind, they just care. They don't really care about anything. Like e even now that I stepped out of medical school and I'm looking there, just look at how much loans these students take. They're, they're coming out of college with 
three hundred to five hundred thousand dollars in debt, and they're happily taking it. And then once they graduate that school, they have to do a residency for three to four years, and you're making normal money. You're making as much money as like a bank teller or like a common worker, fifty, sixty thousand dollars in the U.S. Like people don't realize that. Like that. That's a horrible deal. It seems like a Ponzi scheme. Pay us half a million dollars, we'll give you a degree, and you'll become a slave to the system for the rest of your life. That's about as summed up as it gets, right? It's yeah. why is why is it so hard for people to see that though? Uh, I think it's hard because society, you know, society has brainwashed. I don't know if it's society, the mainstream media, the government. They they brainwashed their citizens so much that we happily take on all this debt knowing that it's going to be hard to get a job we'll complain about the job market but we'll happily take on the debt just to show everyone yes i got a degree i got a bachelor's degree you know it's it's just a title i feel like honestly and that's what a lot of people care about just titles the fiat mind that's all they care about so you mentioned nutrition when you were going through med school and how it's not taught. And I think Stephen Cole uh, the other day tweeted about how in 1992, the food pyramid was released by the, uh, the USDA, I think. Um, and you look at that bottom rung and it's just so disgusting that this is what so much of, of people's belief systems around nutrition are set on you know all of the you know fast refined carbohydrates that are just basic poison to our bloodstream this is why we have such obesity problems this is why we have so many uh, type 2 diabetics and this is why we have so much uh, lethargy and um, people that are just tired all of the time and you know the, the, so many different like did rashes, for example, like you, you were putting to, um, as you were alluding to earlier, this can all come from, you know, eating the wrong kinds of things. What, how, is that a rabbit hole you've fallen into as well since, since finding Bitcoin? Or is that already something that was kind of on your mind and uh, discovered without the help of Bitcoin? I kind of got in it before Bitcoin because uh, I went through a phase where I became a vegetarian. Oh, the meat is messed up. They're putting antibiotics in it. They're pumping it up with medicine. So I became a vegetarian for a while. And uh, I actually felt a lot better. I won't lie. I felt a lot better. I had more energy. But if I went to the gym, I didn't have much power. So then I started eating meat again and realize it makes me a lot stronger but now I just make sure I get so uh, I, I'm Muslim so we eat a certain type of meat just like uh, uh, Jewish people they eat kosher. halal yeah halal yeah yep. so I just started making sure I go to a halal butcher I know they're not pumping things up and I make sure the animal's done the right way and I buy it from there so I try to keep a good diet knowing that. And uh, even my father, he has diabetes and I'm trying to change his diet and things like that because he was on the Fiat standard food too. He's always working, eat chips. He loved Oreos, eating pizza, things like that. And uh, the main thing for your health is honestly food. That's the only way. And uh, even his doctor now, we found him a good doctor, a young guy. And he, even he says the only 90% of it is the food you eat. If you eat healthy, you're 
sicknesses will go away. You'll feel so much better. And another big thing I noticed too, uh, it changes your mind the way you eat. Like I feel if you eat healthier and watch what you eat, you have more confidence. You're able to think better, you're able to make better decisions. But if you eat McDonald's all the time, you, you feel miserable. You don't feel confidence. You, you lack a lot of things. I don't know if others feel that way, but I felt that way with certain foods for sure. Totally, man. Totally. Like if you if you sit there and binge on, uh, you know, which is fair enough. Go for it, guys. You know, you do you. If you're if you're eating healthy all week and one or two nights a month, you you want to have that pizza at home and watch the movie. You will feel weird after eating that pizza. There's no damn doubt. Yeah, big time. And it's it's horrible. You realize it later in life, but. So, like, even in my earlier life, in high school and college, I, I was a runner. I, I've done marathons. I, every single run in my area, I've done it. And when I was young, I, I would eat McDonald's before the run so I can carb up and just eat fries and things like that. And I always felt like junk after. Like, yeah, it gave me the fuel, but I could have done so much better. And then later on for those same runs, I would – to carb up, I would try to eat some sweet potatoes, uh, eat some meat, eat some vegetables, and make sure I have some good fuel. And you feel so much better. The run became so much easier. Like people, Fiat people will buy the BMW, Mercedes, put the best oil in it, put the best gas in. But when it comes to our actual bodies, we put the worst of the worst in it. Yeah, you're totally right. That's a good analogy. That that's yeah, we, completely crazy. We treat our bodies horrible with soda, things like that. But our car, we want to put synthetic oil, get the best tires, get performance package, get this. What about your human body? You gotta live with it for hopefully many, many years to come. You might as well take care of it. <laughs> Can we go down the the rabbit hole of the difference between uh, halal meat and just general meat as most people might understand it so halal meat is it's a blessed meat so before we so they slaughter the animal in a specific way where the animal won't feel any pain and they'll be like they won't feel any pain once you you slaughter them you know and uh it's just a very nice, clean way. And another part of halal is the way you treat the animals. You're not supposed to be harmful to them. You're supposed to give them good space, let them enjoy their life. Just be good to the animals. And uh, we say a special prayer before we slaughter the animal. We say, uh, like, glory to God. Like, we're thank you for the food, like, different prayers like that. And then we eat the food. It's, it's a we think of it as like it's blessed from God, like it was done the right way. The animal wasn't put through any harm, or we didn't hurt them. But, so things like that. Like, I'm not really great with the rabbit hole of halal, but I know the basics of it. Yeah, but the the thing is, there's a huge misconception because most people think it's the other way around for whatever reason. Like fiat fiat people with fiat meat never uh, we have a halal section in our in our supermarket here we have halal butchery uh and i love going there and, and checking out you know what's 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 uh on offer and, and figuring out you know um checking the prices against uh, normal meat 
And generally you can get a better deal because it just doesn't sell as well. People just don't go for it. And I think there's this kind of total misunderstanding between the religions, right? Um, you know, Catholic or Christian or, or, or Jewish people are, are never going to touch halal meat the same way as uh, Catholic or Christian would never touch. Um, uh, what, what did a Jewish people call um, kosher, right? Kosher, it, yeah. It's just, it's just such a weird kind of, I mean, how do we not know about each other's cultures in this just like basic concept of, Hey, where did your food come from and how did you prepare it? Because that seems pretty interesting. It's pretty idiotic. So for Muslims, at least I'm a Muslim and we're allowed to eat uh, food prepared by people of the book, like animals. So people of the book are Jewish people and Christian people because they're from the Abrahamic faiths. So we're allowed to eat their food that is permissible for us. So that's a lot of things that people don't understand. I don't think that's vice versa for them. Like uh, most people who eat kosher, they'll never eat halal or Christians won't eat halal. But we actually like when my father first came to America, there was no such thing as halal. So he ate kosher because there was a lot of kosher meats there. And uh, that's one thing a lot of people don't have because we don't talk anymore. You know, we just look, oh, he's Muslim, he's Christian. They have different beliefs, different that. But those religions, there's so much commonalities in it, honestly. Like a lot of people don't even know that Muslims believe in Jesus, but he was just a prophet in our book. And he's, his name comes up most in the Quran more than any other prophet. That, right? Nobody knows about that. A lot of Muslims will try to argue and say, oh, we love Jesus more than Christians. It's so much aspects of religion. And I think a lot of things about it, politics get involved. And that divide and conquer feelings always come up. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's such an easy target to drive that divide and conquer wedge between you know, religion, we've, we've always had these narratives on either side. And I would actually like to, to ask, you know, your father, obviously, and, and your mother probably came across in the early 80s to, were they escaping something in, in Pakistan or it was just a, a better option? What, what was going on in, in those days? In our area, it wasn't too bad. Their, their family, we're from a village there, but they had their own farmland. So my family was, it was well off in their aspects. And uh, my dad actually went to Saudi Arabia because he wanted to go to college there. And uh, his brother-in-law came to America. He was a preacher, basically. And he was preaching Islam here. And uh, he told my dad he should come down here. It's a lot of opportunities, things like that. And then my dad ended up making the move. They weren't escaping anything. But I think one thing everyone knew about the American dream, you know, all the news, all, everyone wants to go to America. I can make it here. I can do something great. So that was honestly what was in his head. He never really thought of coming to America or leaving. It just kind of happened, you know. And how does he talk about what's going on now and like modern day to when he first arrived? What kind of changes has he seen over those years? In America, the changes? Yeah. He's seen a lot of changes. He said when he first came into America, it was so easy to open a business. It was easy to get 
loans. He was even saying in the bank it was 12% interest rate if you put your money there. Uh, he just said life was so much easier. And uh, one point he said to me, which really stayed with, stayed with me, he said, when he first came into this country, when someone would see someone driving a Cadillac, they would look at that car and say, wow, one day I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work hard and I'm going to get that Cadillac. And he said, these days now, if someone sees a Cadillac, they look like pissed off. They're mad. Like, why does he have that? You know, like, uh, oh, he must be privileged. He must be this. So he see how the, the character of people, their mentality has changed over the time. Like no one wants to work hard no more. It's just a blame game now. But when he first came here, everyone was hustling, grinding. I, I want to get the picket fence. You know, I want to get the Cadillac. I want to do this, but. Now no one has that anymore. Everyone's happy with just getting government assistance these days and being in debt and just being a fiat person. And the, the UBI now, right? The, the stimmy checks, that they're just raining down on people. He, he must have some, or you must have as well, some kind of uh, thoughts about that and where that, that's going to lead. Yeah, the prices of gas. He has a gas station. Before mm-hmm. Biden came into office, I think it was going for two forty a gallon, and now it's about three ten. Things are everything's getting expensive. Uh, even cars. Before you could buy a like a Honda Civic for under twenty thousand dollars, and now that's even more expensive. Even for businesses, it's so hard to find workers. Like. One of my dad's workers got $7,000 from the last stimulus. And you think he wants to work? No, he has all that money. What does he want to work at a gas station for and take all this headache? And uh, a lot of people are just sitting and making money. I, I even have a buddy who was a engineer. He got laid off and told me that he makes so much more money on unemployment sitting at home than when he was an actual engineer working full-time. That shows you the reality of this UBI or whatever they want to call it now. People are making so much money. No one cares to work. No one is passionate about anything. Prices are just going up right in front of our faces. Seems like society doesn't care. They don't get it. This does not end well, man. Holy shit. I didn't realize that was going on. Yeah, prices are going up. Uh, no one, even my brother, who's a doctor, he says it all the time too. Everyone just calls out of work and uses COVID. You don't know if they have it, but if you say something, then that's wrong too, you know, because people will attack you. So no one wants to work no more. Everyone's having a shortage of workers in America. My dad has a lot of buddies who have businesses, and all across the board, it's the same thing. No one wants to work. It's hard to find people a job because you sit at home and you make so much money. <laughs> this is nuts. This is going to end in like this house of cards is just going to absolutely implode. Yeah, I really think it's going to be bad, but I don't know what's, how long it's going to take. Maybe a couple of years, maybe five years. I, I think with their... I think the whole world is going to get a digital currency and I think they'll try to keep it going with that because they'll be able to tax you right away. They'll be able to take your money at any time. And like I saw a video of uh, China and someone uh, jaywalked on the street. The camera was able to pick up their face, figure out their identity, and then took the fee out of their wallet in 14, 15 seconds. 
I think that's what they're going to do to control and keep the fiat system going. Just make everyone pay all these taxes. I don't think it's going to end well because people are just going to end up moving. Go somewhere where they're treated better. I don't know. Yeah. Too many thoughts in my head. <laughs> yeah. That, um, that, yeah, I'm trying to play all of this out in my mind as well. It doesn't make any sense. You know, what is the ultimate goal? Like, you know, the, these people that are doing this, you know, they're, they're giving people free money. They're, they're doing it for a reason. Is it because they want to actually help people? Or is it like that they're so, like, dumb it, that they can't see the, the, the harm this is doing? It makes no sense. Uh, I don't get it. I think the collapse was coming regardless and i think covid helped them mask it and have a, something to blame it on and now they're just trying to i guess give everyone free money but i honestly think all those people who are giving free money doing that i think they're secretly buying bitcoin they can't be that dumb they can't be that dumb they gotta know something but then they also can be that dumb i don't know <laughs> Oh, we like you know. You said it at the beginning, right? You 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 came to this in January 2020, and you thought you were late as hell. How long did it take for you to realize that you were um, early? Just recently, because uh, when I first bought it, I bought it at seven thousand dollars US, and my brother bought it at four because he got lucky with the dip and he was awake when it happened. So I was always upset. Oh, I bought it at seven. I could have got it so much cheaper i could have this i could have that and then once the having happened and the price just skyrockets and you just start understanding that this thing probably going to go to a million then it's going to go to five million then it's going to go to 10 million it's number go up technology is never going to end it's just going to keep going up like today i even tweeted uh someone said uh Six, if you buy Bitcoin at 60K, you're still early. I wrote, even if you buy it at half a million dollars, you're still early. Like, this is a lifetime of accumulation we could do. We're lucky enough to know a, a secret of the world that no one knows. That's how I really feel about it. And we have a lifetime of stacking before they finally realize it. Yes, we do. Yes, we certainly do. And if nobody's getting more bullish listening to this right now, I, I can't help you. Uh, where, do you. where do you see yourself in a couple of years' time with regards to like the mining kind of rabbit hole that you've fallen into now? Is this something that you think you're going to keep pushing and building out and perhaps even start your own enterprise? Or do you think, you know, once the... The, the machines have run their course. You, you're just going to concentrate on stacking it. How, how are you thinking? Uh, so I'll tell you what I'm thinking now. So I've, I learned a lot from my father, learned a lot about business. I worked at his stores and things like that. So the way I'm moving it, I don't have that much knowledge in mining. Like I said, I'm, I'm basically a customer for them. I just mine just because I got lucky. So I actually want to move and open up a restaurant. I have some, I want to invest in a restaurant and put that money in Bitcoin and try to accumulate because I feel like as a Bitcoiner, I know the future. So I have to figure out how I can make the most fiat possible in the easier way. So like, like the job I got after I did med school, I quit, I went back to school. I, I only worked for 
1.3 years. So one month and three, uh, one year and three months. And I, I'm already ready. I want to quit my job. You know, I'm tired of it. I always tell my brother, why am I listening to the supervisor if I 30 X them already? You know, like, I, so it's a lot of things going in my head. But right now I want to get into some business and help make more fiat so I can buy more Bitcoin. Because I think that's the only, the price is just going to get out of my grasp. I, I need to do something to make more fiat to stack more. And mining is just so expensive. And I'm I'm 100% in Bitcoin, so I'm going to have to spend some to, to do anything. It's a, it's too many thoughts, you know, I don't know. But I want I want to do something in business, so maybe a restaurant, maybe something like that. What kind of food? I'm going to have to ask now. So I want to do halal burgers, halal burgers, chicken burgers and milkshakes. So there's not, there's nowhere you can get a lot of burgers in America, nowhere. People like that kind of stuff. They, Muslim people want to go somewhere where they can relax, eat food. Like we want to do something like a Shake Shack style, but have our own halal burgers and just have a place for people to hang out. And we're, we're thinking Florida because in Florida, there's not, not much restaurants actually. There's a lot of Muslims there, a lot of population, but no halal restaurant so we want to try to get that market maybe grow a little bit and be like tahini be on a bitcoin standard but keep growing and keep trying to make fiat just to get more bitcoin big shout out to the tahinis and ali if you're listening if you're looking to open a uh franchise in florida this could be your man hit up the yeah. wizard <laughs> i you- look up to him i follow him he follows me back i actually talk to him uh, before I got my dad on a Bitcoin standard with his corporate money, I actually contacted Taini and they responded. So I really appreciate that. For them. Yeah, they're great guys. Are you going to head to Miami for the conference? Or have you got that on Horizon? Yeah, I'm going. I, I, hopefully I get to meet some of you guys. It'd be awesome. Are you going? I have the tickets. We just got to figure out the route, whether we can get from... From France to, to Florida, we, we might have to go via somewhere along the way before we, we touch down. And it, of course, anything can change. I mean, they've just changed the rules here again here in France and just trying to lock everybody down again. And I don't know, man. It's it's crazy. Yeah, crazy. Well, yeah, it's tough to come into the States from outside. Yeah, let's see. Hopefully, I'm, I'm going to go. My goal was to somehow get into american hado's villa so if he's hearing this maybe he'll let me come in i know preston tried but he he responded too late or something uh, so hoddle hoddle's gonna be uh hosting the the after party of the 100k party as as far as uh, i'm aware is that correct i don't know i know he just said uh, he'll let some plebs come to his villa and, <laughs> it and everyone messaged him so Hopefully this is my ticket in this podcast. How far is it for you? If you were to drive across country to get to Florida on a moped, how long would that take? Because I think that he would he would very much uh, be endeared to somebody doing something as crazy as that. Because he he told his his moped story on on my podcast and Stefan Levera's actually. So if you've not heard his moped story before, make sure you go and check it out. No, it's a great story. I heard, I heard it. Uh, it. With car, it would take 20 hours from where I am. So moped. 
I don't know, maybe 60 hours, 80 hours, because it's tough. How fast does a moped go? I have no idea, man. I would not get one of those things. (laughs) But it would take me a long time. I know that for sure. (laughs) That's a crazy story, though. Yeah, he's uh, he's great. Uh, big shout out, Hoddle. Love you, brother. Thanks for coming on the show. We'll have to do it again. Um, and he's a great, he's a great kind of. I don't think this is talked about enough, actually, because we don't realize who is looking up to who on on Bitcoin Twitter for whatever reason. You obviously get drawn to some personalities more than others, yeah. and if you're here. You, you know, you've got a role to play lurking around. But when you come to Bitcoin Twitter, it is definitely worth just lurking for a certain amount of time. Just watch the, the to and fro and watch what's playing out in front of you because it is a, it's a, uh, it, what's the word I'm looking for? It, it's kind of a, um, well, it's not an easy place for you just to come and dip your toe in. Did you find that when you found Bitcoin Twitter? Were you like, the fuck is going on here with these guys? When I got in, it was weird. <laughs> all the memes, all the FU Gregs, all this crazy <laughs> stuff going on. And uh, At first, it felt like it was very clicky, like everyone had their click and they would only talk to each other, but. I noticed one thing about Bitcoin Twitter. Once they accept you, all the plebs will accept you. They'll talk to you. They'll like your stuff. They'll help you. And even with that, with the, when I was trying to get my dad on the corporate stuff, uh, the, the CEO of River Financial messaged me. Like I was so astonished. Like, oh, my God, he's actually messaging me. But that's the power of Bitcoin Twitter. It's like a gold mine of networking. And these people in Bitcoin Twitter are probably going to be the new elite like, let's be honest we we both know where bitcoin is going these people are going to run the world american hotel might become governor for all we know, you know? <laughs> yeah but it's a great place bitcoin twitter it's like a family members you know you know everyone you know if you reach out their answer and even the big personalities they'll respond to you i feel like if they know you and you're genuine and you're not trying to do any scam stuff I, I find it is just now like pretty much like SMSing a family group. Yeah, exactly. You you know who's on there. Oh, I wonder what he said today. Oh, I wonder this and what he thinks about this and things like that. And a lot of things too, like American Haro, he always I feel like he helps the common pleb. He he helped me a lot too with the things he said. Like one thing he said was he regretted not stacking enough. He thought he had enough and stopped. And I actually stopped too. And then I started stacking a lot more once I saw that and I realized what he's trying to say. I remember that tweet. And it's so true. It is so true. I did exactly the same, stopped. And oh my goodness. You know, it's it's going to be different. It's the worst thing you could do is stop. Like I said, this thing is a lifetime of accumulation. Even even once it's a hundred trillion dollars, you can still buy it and it'll still maybe go up five percent a year, maybe instead of the two hundred. It's really crazy stuff, honestly. The the money rabbit hole is just crazy if you think about it. You learn so much about life and how the system is just so rigged. 
And once you get out of it, it's so free. Yeah, we've all learned so much and so many people to be thankful to. So all the plebs out there listening on Bitcoin Twitter, thank you for everything you've done. Thanks for coming on the show, everybody that reaches out. It's always great, especially you, Wizard, to, to meet people like yourself. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit you with the final question. If you had one orange pill left to give to someone, who would you give it to and why? Huh, that's a tough one. Though. If I had one orange pill left, who would I give it to? Hmm. It could be a person or like a state or what? It's your orange pill, man. It's completely <laughs> up to you. I had an orange pill. Who would I give it to? I guess I'll give it to one, like, maybe I'll give it to one of those CEOs of Apple or something, get them in just to help boost the price up, you know, because I got all my loved ones in. Even my girlfriend, I got her stacking. So I don't really have immediate family. I That's know, awesome. It's a horrible answer you just heard, but no, I'll, I'll give it to the Apple CEO or one of these CEOs, get them in. Um, I was going to say, I'm sure you found your girlfriend after she realized you were stacking sats, right? That, that's generally how it happens, right? No, I had her before. She was with me <laughs> when I dropped out of medical school. So that's how you know she's a good woman. There you go, man. She stayed with me too. So. And has to listen to you talk about Bitcoin all day long. It's, yeah, uh, all day long. She gets mad at it too. All Another you talk about Bitcoin, all you this, that. I say, do I get mad when you talk about your job? This is my life. This is my job. <laughs> so that, that's actually a good call with the Apple CEO because, I mean, why not? If, if we need, if there's one company out there that could really turn, I mean, Michael Saylor tweets about this. He tweeted just the other day, right? You know, if like one of the best things that could come out is, or he sees a time where Apple will integrate a wallet where you could post the Bitcoin as collateral and you just get this daily line of credit or, you know, streamed line of credit through a completely, totally custodial private wallet built by Apple in a closed system. And this is where it's going to head. So if we can speed that up and just make it, so much easier for people to to interact with and to try because it is still trying um trying to help people understand how to buy it how to interact with it how to store it we've we've got a lot of work to do right yeah it's a lot of work to do and uh, even apple as a business it makes so much sense for them they have all that apple pay stuff and i know they're getting into the electric car games even their electric cars imagine if they made taxis or something and the, the taxi was able to accept Bitcoin and whatever passenger comes, they could use a lightning network or use something to get the payment through. And it, it just makes so much sense, even with their phones. So many people, even at my dad's gas station, are using Apple Pay, Cash App, anything in this phone, this little device. If they're able to figure it out, get a good hardware wallet, good something in this phone, it's a beautiful thing. And they have so much cash they're sitting on. Just like Michael Saylor said, you're losing money just sitting on your cash. Mm -hmm. Who wants to lose money? So the, the, the whole world is inevitable. They're going to buy it, but they should get in it sooner. I think I heard uh, 
on their cards they're gonna have Bitcoin. Like you know how they have those credit cards, the Apple card. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure though. I heard they're gonna have Bitcoin on it because it's a Mastercard. Okay, no, I didn't know that. I'll have to go dig that news out. All right, Wizard, it's been amazing having you on the show. Really enjoyed getting to know you a little bit and, and hearing your story. Where can people come and find you and uh, hang out with you and the other plebs? I'm always on Twitter. I'm at uh, WizardOzBTC on Twitter. That's the only thing I use, honestly, just Twitter. And, uh, you'll see the red eyes and you'll see me with the plebs memeing away. <laughs> <laughs> love it man well thank you so much for coming on and uh, yeah look forward to hopefully hopefully we get to meet in real life in Miami yeah that would be awesome thank you so much for having me on pleasure man take care take care thank you hey guys thank you so much for listening thank you again the good wizard wizard OZ wizard Oz for coming on and sharing your story such a great way to get into Bitcoin yeah I'm gonna go straight to mining what that's an amazing clip story and so quick and it just blows my mind that but that wouldn't have happened back in 16 or 17 if you think about that people coming to bitcoin they were coming strictly for number go up and they were going straight into the shitcoin world unfortunately they weren't seeing the potential of bitcoin straight away and then going being drawn straight into the mining maybe back in the early days the real early days, 09 through to 11 or 12, where you could mine from your computer. Yeah, sure, but I thought those days were, were over of, of going straight in with mining. So it's, this is really, really interesting. I, I urge anybody to go and check out the company that he was uh, mentioning there, vbitmining.com. I don't know anything about them, as you probably heard in this show. I cannot vouch for them in any way. Do your own research, but if it's something you're interested in, seems like a pretty good option. Uh, anyway, yeah. You do you, guys. Reach out to the wizard. Go go have some fun on Twitter. Sounds like uh, he's he's there and ready to uh, meme away and, and have some, some good times. Thanks for coming on, brother. Now, before I leave, please go check out my book, Choose Life. That is available on Amazon. And make sure you hit up the sponsors. It's coinfloor.co.uk. It's swanbitcoin.com. It's relay.ch. All forward slash bitten and the Bitbox O2 hardware wallet. Take care, guys.